you're listening to Reba Radio, the podcast. From 18th to the 26th of November 2021, our annual inclusion festival took the form of a dedicated radio station broadcast live from the bookshop at the Reba's HQ in London, with me, Marsha Ramroop, the Director of Inclusion at the RIBA, hosting the discussions. Reba Radio, the podcast, is the speech-only content from that radio station, themed and edited for your easy consumption. We suggest you make your way systematically through all episodes from the intro to the end to help you effectively on your inclusion journey. We hope you enjoy it and find it useful and applicable. Well, I'm delighted to welcome to Reba Radio now Yemi Aludaran and Mariam Alihrim to speak about the Reba Inclusion Charter. And I'd just like to give a shout out to Angela Dapper from Grimshaw. She was supposed to be joining us today, but she's not well. And it's a real shame because I know that Grimshaws are doing great work around inclusion. So get well soon, Angela. But uh, Yemi and Mariam, I always think it better rather than me telling people who you are uh, to hear from you who who you say you are <laughs> and um and and what what do you do or have done with the RIBA if i can go to you first mariam hi everyone uh my name is mariam i'm the current vice president for students and associates at the RIBA so i'm a student representative at the RIBA i try and champion students voices in the RIBA council I used to sit on education, I sit on architecture for change and try and provide a student perspective um, to, I guess, diversity as as well as I sit on um, the future architects steering group. Um, Yeah. Thank you. And and you're not actually in in the UK at the moment, are you? No, I'm not. Uh, So at the moment I'm in the UAE. I was just doing a, a talk for Cityscape, but I'm coming back maybe next week. <laughs> Excellent. So well, it's great to, great that you can join us. And Yemi, so tell us a little bit about you and 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 uh, what have you done and or are doing with the RIBA. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Lovely 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 to be here. Um so yes, Yemi Aladaran, I am an architect and uh, development manager currently working on the Meridian Water Scheme for Enfield council i have sat on um on council on rba council from 2017 to 2020 as a national council member i also sat on education committee with um mariam and also sit on the education group as well well thanks so much indeed for that it gives us a, a bit of context as to to who you are and uh, i'm really actually curious if i could start with you yemi uh, why why do you get involved as a member of the uh, of the RIBA? Because there there are loads of members out there who who you know happy to be a member, but maybe not be so active. So, what propels you to do it? Yeah, well, to, to be absolutely honest, pre two thousand and seventeen, I was not involved with the RIBA. It was um, then President Ben Derbyshire that was doing a tour as part of getting um, the the presidency, going around to um, talk to practices, large, small, all around the country about um, why people were not engaging with the RIBA, and there was a real call to action 
there and I'm I was taken by a lot of what he he was saying and actually it all it all, it all kind of snowboarded um from from there and kind of wanting to be part of the change that um um yeah that that he said was needed and he wanted to bring bring about and um yeah so since then I I've just been drawn in the web of the RIBA and it's I think it's we all have to put our shoulder to the wheel if we want a better profession um and yeah so that that's why I do what I do and interact with the RIBA. Thank you. I mean, Mariam, you, you, you know, as VP of, of students, um, you know, th there's a very particular calling, presumably, that you feel you have. To be honest, when what I was thinking when I first ran, at first I didn't really think I would run. It's like, oh, me, you know. And then I was doing a bit of like student representation at um, a small university up in the northwest called University Central Lancashire. And that's where I originally ran. And I just kind of had this urge of like, you know, there needs to be some sort of change in the architectural education, at least in terms of like the way the culture is uh, being undertaken. And I kind of felt like um, when I saw this position for three years, I thought, well, if I don't run, then who's going to run? You know, who's going to, who's going to bring about this change? And I really wanted to bring about at least some positive change, just so other people wouldn't have to uh, let's just say the hard lessons learned in architecture school, maybe not repeated at least. Um, I'm still studying at the moment, but I really wanted to bring about some sort of positive difference. And I felt that, uh, I mean, even to have the opportunity to run as a student representative is really great from the RIBA so that they are listening to their younger members, which are the future of the profession as well. Well, I mean, one of the the things that um, the RIBA have, has tried to do is with this inclusion charter. And as you may know, I started in this role in February and seeing the charter was one of the reasons I applied for this role because um, uh, it was like signalling intent around inclusion. And if we can go through it. So the first thing is a responsibility to influence. It's calling on architects and the built environment professionals to pledge support for equity and inclusion. And by signing the charter practices and individuals acknowledge the urgent need for inclusion in the architecture profession and wider construction industry. Um, Mariam, to what extent do you feel that acknowledgement has been properly embraced? I think when in the beginning, when the Black Lives Matter movement was first starting up, um, there was a lot of conversation that was in the early pandemic everyone really wanted a kind to, to rise to a betterment of society. And I felt that um, that conversation has a little bit died down. That conversation has died down a little bit, but however, I feel that at least in architecture, there's a lot to go forward. There's, you know, this change I think has been, is much needed. Uh, unfortunately, architecture has some ugly roots and it's built in on kind of a very male, male oriented view. You know, even the RIBA at one point was, you know, a males only club. There was no such thing as female architects. So I think now in the 21st century, we have to really be aware of these structural dynamics that have taken place and kind of remember that as a society we've progressed so much and we should really be vocal about it and acknowledge that these previous biases that maybe our ancestors had, um, that we no longer carry them or at least try to not um, have the same views. And I think that's why we have to raise awareness and kind of be vocal 
and say it and also actually do it. So, you know, transparency is really key and showcasing mm -hmm. data. You know, when someone goes on someone's website, um, you know, a lot of students, when they go to a practice, they want to see people who look like them a little bit. They want to see a bit of diversity. They'll just look at your company profile. They'll look at who's working there. You know, is there anyone who looks like me? Does this company, you know, even employ someone who's like me? Whether their skin color, their belief, or just even if they're just a little bit different. Uh, I think um, that's something that students really look for nowadays. Mm. Yeah, Yemi, I saw you nodding along there. Yeah, I, I think um, just kind of to add to what Maroom said, I think it's also important if we set, set out some context in terms of the um, inclusion charter, because I think the, the inclusion charter is part of kind of a, a series of bits of work that has been done by the RIBA to get us to, to where we are now. So as I say, Maroom and I... Um, both um, uh, sitting on the education committee, we both strongly pushed the points of access to the profession for underrepresented groups and also retention. Um, I, I also am one of five co-founders of Paradigm Network, and that's a professional uh, network um, for the construction industry, for those who are passionate about increasing kind of black and Asian representation within the built environment. And touching a little bit more specifically on the work of the Education Committee, I think what I'm most part, uh, proud of was the social mobility paper that I worked really closely on with the then president, um, Alan Jones and other RIBA collaborators. And kind of the paper puts together recommendations on social inclusion during on the Social Mobility Commission report. Um, and this um, puts into an overarching policy and was approved by council and is shaping the work of the RIBA going forward. And that touches on the um, that's part of kind of what we're pushing with the inclusion charter. I also think it's important to talk about the work of the president's fact finding mission. Um, so I was one of eight champions talks to consider crucial themes. Um, and those were diversity and inclusion, practice, knowledge, values, um, I mean, so many things, but it really sets out a future landscape of how architects will survive and thrive and how the RIBA needs to evolve and how practices and academia can, can come together to better challenge and support each other. And what we explain in my chapter is the importance of reflecting the diversity of the population within mm. the architectural workforce by adopting reforms and policies that promote diversity and inclusion within um, business practices. So I think the in inclusion part um, charter is part of a kind of web of work, the RI, it hasn't come from nowhere. It's part of lots of fantastic work that the RIBA has been doing. And I think it pulls all of that um, together and touches on some of the points Mariam raised as well. I just thought it was important to give kind of Absolutely. The, the context. Absolutely. And and uh, alongside that acknowledgement and the work wider that's being done at the RIBA, out, out in practice, is, is there, do you see that commitment to set targets and create action plans around, around practice? I yeah. think um, we, we're seeing with those that have kind of signed up to the inclusion charter, I think that that's a, that's a big um, yes. Um, but there's still lo lots of people that I think are struggling to know exactly what to do and, and how we um, and how we do it. But I think it is really important that targets are set, because if you don't set targets, then you're not able to a really 
and be aware of the issue. Uh, that then means you're not able to monitor progress. Uh, targets mean accountability. <laughs> and more importantly, I think it all those kind of targets um, to be really effective, they need to be written into kind of policy and process and reviewed regularly to, to really have the meaningful change that we're, we're seeking. Mariam, I mean, I, I, I have a slightly different take on targets in that I feel that targets are important as long as you've got the data to know what you're targeting and how much as well. So there's a bigger piece around data. Um, I mean, how much have you seen, seen the, the right kind of collection uh, of data, Mariam? I think, you know, data is an interesting one. Um, you know, it's been collected regardless whether people are giving consent or not. But however, there is this one element that really um, I see is that there's a lot of um, talking about inclusion, which is great. However, we're not seeing really the action there. Some practices would just like to be noticed that they're inclusive. However, when it comes to actual employment or hiring, or, you know, you put pen to paper, how inclusive are you? You know, you have to, I think, um, I think part of what makes this kind of hard is that you almost have to reflect on yourself or society has to almost advocate for it. So it's not only enough that um, as one practice, it's also the people in the practice, they have to be accountable to each other. You have to have these uncomfortable conversations with your colleagues, um, in the RI Bay Northwest, you know, uh, the, I think we try to kind of bridge about different conversations and just trying to hear from other people's perspectives. And I think that's just a start. Mm. Um, when a practice says they're inclusive, I think we have to start asking, what do you mean by that? It's not a marketing ploy anymore. We want to see actual accountability in action. And when you say you are inclusive, we want to see, you know, it's not just that picnic, barbecue, everyone out there, and then that's being posted on social media. No, we want something that's genuine. We want to see different, you know, supporting different employees from different backgrounds. Let's start from young people to older people, from different backgrounds, you know, being aware of the different cultural shifts or just as well as being mindful, really. It's just about respect at the end of the day. Uh, we've spoken a bit about acknowledgement and commitment and some of those points you were making there, Mariam. Yemi, you were, you were nodding away, nodding away. A lot of, a lot of commitment and, and action uh, and visibility needed, not just around having nice pictures, but actual action. Um, and and, and is, is the Inclusion Charter helping that? Because we've got a couple more commitments here about developing workplace culture, talent pipeline, and, um, you know, the, those those ways of working. Uh, how can how can practices do that? And what do you want to see from them? I think it's a good, very good question. And again, it kind of, um, there was a lovely segue there from Miriam that left left off which was base, basically that you know performative allyship will get us nowhere there, there's really no substitute to doing the hard work yes it's about fairness and doing the right thing but um you know Mariam touched on something very very importantly which is that there's an economic imperative too as well and we live we live in a very competitive world and in a knowledge-based economy and we simply can't afford to waste talent and there is definitely therefore a business imperative to ensure sustainability of the architectural profession. I think our traditional business models and learning make, uh, models favor the few and, and not the many. 
And this has been proven to be inherently unsustainable, unjust and economically unproductive. So um, it, it's really, really important that if we are uh, as a profession trying to create futures in which a wide range of people can thrive, we need to all accept that we have blind spots and biases and um, whether intended or not, um, affect our outlook and decision-making processes. So, you know, although let's not be, be fooled in the last 20 months, yes, there's been lots of um, kind of conversation and nagging the drum about inclusion and kind of diversity and a wide range of things, but there are lots of people that still, to be honest, don't, don't really care because it doesn't directly impact them. So there is still a lot of work to, to be done. So I think the inclusion charter is great. We need to continue to get more and more architects sign, signed up to that and practices signed up to that so that we can um, yeah, start to really implement change and for it not just to be t another tick box exercise yeah really interesting point because i was talking to david livermore about about this this um driver the extrinsic interest of the fact that um the bottom line of business is that you you are you know eight times more innovative and have better business outcomes if you do you have not only a diverse team because it's it's all well and good bringing in a diversity of staff, but you have to also then have that inclusive culture where people feel that their values, needs um, are, are respected and, and taken into account. Because otherwise, actually, if you're hiring for diversity, but you don't have that culture and you're expecting people who are different from you just to fit in, that's not going to work. And that there are two outcomes. One is they leave and the second is they stay, but they become very unhappy to the point sometimes of of mental uh, uh, ill health so um, really really important to get that right but it, I always talk about we need to lead with inclusion and manage diversity so um, you know that that idea about publicly reporting on progress around an EDI plan transparency I heard a word that you used there as well Mariam a little bit earlier accountability a, a, a word you're both using they're vital to driving cultural change that's a that's a commitment that people make when they sign up what, what are you seeing of that thus far Go for it, Yemi. <laughs> Gosh, I. Oh, that's an interesting one. I'm not. I. I can't really speak a, across the the profession on what um out, outcomes are. I guess, in terms of maybe take taking it to uh, Paradigm Network, because we partnered with um some kind of really like-minded and fantastic architectural practices which reached out and some were already um pre kind of we we founded in 2017 and we have some practices that even since then have partnered with us to to work and change change things um but we have seen a, a you know quite a few more partner over the last kind of two two years and for those um practices that we're working closely with trying to see we're starting to see real positive change and things not being tick box exercise and creating you know and the realization like as you touched on Marsha that it's not just about um getting more diverse people in is but about creating inclusive workplaces where people can thrive prosper and stay <laughs> yeah retention retention also is, is a big thing so there's a whole kind of I think um pipeline that we need to to work within so yeah so th there are some practices that, that are kind of um 
kind of taking the lead and doing fantastic work, but it's still, at also, also I should mention at all different scales as well. So it's not just the big practices, they're smaller um, practices also realizing that things need to be um, done and actioning things um, positively. Mariam, you, you had a bit of a rueful smile on your face, uh, you know, when, when I was talking about the progress around the, a transparent EDI plan. You haven't seen that. Um, I would say, I mean, it's, we have to commend who's people who are doing work. And I think we do always have to say, someone's done something well, you know, why don't we have, for example, the most inclusive practice award. We always talk about buildings, but we're not talking about culture, are we? What is the best workplace culture? People nowadays really care about where they work. You know, when people see those cool images of the Google office with the slides and the, I don't know, the really weird lunch breaks, people start they, saying, that's a kind of quirky environment that I want to be in. It's a lifestyle. And I think that's really what companies have to start thinking about. I think now after COVID, nobody wants to work in your just normal office and sit there and not interact with anyone. You know, architecture is all about collaboration. And I just think that at least from a younger perspective, I just, I feel like the numbers aren't really showcasing that. You know, at the moment, the trend is that most students who are from a BAME background uh, dramatically decreased when they get to their part three. And that's really something that's, you know, that's what Yemi was talking about, retention. So that means maybe it's more difficult to get a job. You know, maybe when you see a different name on a CV, you start, you know, instead of judging them by their character and their work, you're judging them by their name. I think, you know, even CVs and the way that we um, hire people is, is something that we have to think about. I mean, how are we sure we're hiring the best person if, you know, your mate recommended him and that was it? You know, you, you didn't even give an opportunity for others. Or at least if you're going to, you know, you want the best person for the job, then, you know, maybe have a blind CV, you know, push the limit a little bit. You know, I think it's up to companies to put the benchmark of where they want to be uh, and how inclusive they want to be. And if they truly are fair and want to give everyone an equal opportunity, then do it through, you know, when you're doing a job, uh, you know, where are you putting your job adverts? Is it just on certain one website? Are you doing it? Is it everywhere? I mean, maybe you just made like one social media post. Are you going to all the right architecture schools? Or are you just going to like one? Mm -hmm. And then that's it. You're just hoping that somebody from that collegiate school, regardless, is there. I mean, I think, you know, there to an extent, people have their own responsibility and they can, they need to ask themselves, am I being diverse enough? Am I including everyone? How can I do more? And I think we can always do more. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're not going to hear any any dispute from me on, on that. And um, one thing that uh, I, I want to sort of maybe um, articulate is that one of the reasons why we're running Reba Radio is it's really clear that, that these commitments are really great and um, it's great to see the intentions uh, behind it. But uh, at the RIBA, we know that we can do more to support practices and members to be able to fulfil these commitments. So, 
some of those things you're talking about there around inclusive recruitment and architectural education and looking at some of the issues within both of those are things that we're going to start pulling apart on Reba Radio just as a first step to help people think about what they need to think about uh, when it comes to what they need to be doing when it comes to being inclusive. Yemi, um, this this final commitment here, uh, you, you're currently uh, in project management with um, Meridian Water, that's correct, isn't it? Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, th th there is a commitment here to embed inclusive design into all projects and contributing to the development of inclusive environments. Uh, I know um, Peter George across at Meridian really pushing hard on the procurement side to make sure that when engaging practices, uh, that is really, really taken into account. Can you tell me a little bit about that work? Yeah, I mean, it was some really, really fantastic work Pete, Peter's been doing there and kind of going against the grain of what normally what, what you would see. Again, maybe a, a little bit of context, kind of in terms of um, when we talk about who's currently designing our cities, I think latest figures show that about 30% of all architects registered in the UK are women. Now, this is an improvement on previous years, and it's good, but still not ideal, and progress has been very slow. And of course, it's it's not an architecture only problem when we zoom out and look at the built environment more generally the latest figures I could find were about I think 12 to 13 percent of engineers in the UK are women uh, the planning profession uh, fares a bit better with I think about 40 percent of planners being women it'll be interesting to see what those figures show following uh, Covid and uh, the pandemic. Uh, when we look at um, race and ethnicity, specifically focused on those that identify as being black, um, this is just 1% of registered architects in the UK that are black, and that's a downward facing figure. Um, I think 9% of engineers are um, BAME, and now BAME is a huge grab on where to identify. Yeah. Uh, um, so, I mean, we need, I think engineers need to drill down those figures as well, but even just looking at the 9%, it, it's not great. So I think those figures evidence that there's a lot of work to be done to make architecture um, more equi a, a more equitable profession. And that goes hand in hand with ensuring that the work we produce, kind of the homes, the buildings are also equitable. So when we talk about kind of increasing the uh, involvement of people that design cities and make decisions about the way we live. You know, for, for me, that's not about saying that men design badly or that women would design much better or that your ethnicity or economic um, background makes you a worse or better architect. Rather, I think it's about um, there needing to be acknowledgement that we all interact with the world in, in different ways, in, in some cases in very dis distinct ways. I think individual bodies perceive space in different ways and there are also cultural differences in the way spaces are used so it, it's um or it should be a no-brainer that the more people from varying backgrounds abilities perspe uh, perspectives genders that you have that are part of the kind of design and decision making process the better the outcomes in in terms of the city spaces homes, schools um that that we're building um you know and these spaces will therefore be inclusive and work for for the majority and as I say, the Meridian Water team have gone to great efforts in procurement to make sure that they're looking very distinctly about the um, demographics of the people that they are hiring to, to design our, our cities.
And you say it's very much against the grain, a uh, bit of bit of a fight there for, for Peter to try to to push for for the kind of procurement levels that he's he's asking for. Um, but it's it, that's definitely a good thing, isn't Marion, to hear that kind of uh, you know get, getting the stakeholders, if you like, um, pushing for accountability as well. I think yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's great to hear that the construction industry is changing and manoeuvring, and I think. Um, just to touch on what Yemi was saying, um, I think it's still important that we acknowledge that we have a long way to go. You know, this is just the start. And uh, but it's great to see efforts are being made and we have to acknowledge these and commend them. You know, um, as I said, why don't we have an award for the most, you know, maybe the diverse uh, procurement efforts? That would be interesting. You know, really show it to everyone else that, you know, this is the, the best way to go. And I bet you even that project will be one of the most interesting. But I just wanted to touch on what Yemi was saying um, with some statistics as well. For example, um, those who are Black or Black British identify uh, only 1.5% uh, in 2018 and 19 passed their part three. Well, if someone was white, that's 85.1%. You know, that is a kind of staggering number and it showcases that there are people who are, um, where their voices aren't really being heard or being acknowledged in the profession. And we have a duty to really provide equity and equality and access to everyone, you know, regardless of your race. Um, and I think these unique perspectives that Amy was touching on it is absolutely key. You know, I think there are so many, uh, I think statistics that say that workplace diversity leads to better decision-making if uh, a diverse team is made of a business decision, they usually outperform by their the other individual decision makers by 87% um, because of that diverse team. You know, if racially and ethnically diverse companies outperform industry norms by 35%, you know, this, this showcases that um, it's not only uh, it would be nice to have a diverse uh, people, it's, it's also the knowledge is much greater. It's showcasing that better decisions are being made. And that's because we're different minds from different backgrounds are at work here. And I think it's actually, it's good that we have differences because then we'd have really boring buildings and really boring infrastructure if it just came down to like one person's opinion. When it's many people, it's at least you're having conversation. A really, really good point. And, and uh, that, that about just having the diversity of people, it's really important that the inclusive culture, that listening piece, because it's all well and good to surround yourself with the diversity of people, but we really need to listen uh, to those perspectives, especially if they're very different to our own. And your point, you've, you've made it a couple of times now, Mariam, I will take it away. I am working on the uh, the award thing, but I don't want to say anything without, uh, there's been no ratification or anything like that and uh, the um, uh, the plan is for uh, the inclusion charter to take on a completely new life and, and and for people to to be held accountable for those and those who who do well to maybe rec be recognized in some way so it's all in my head at the moment but I'm working on it uh, but this this Reba radio is very much about um, those voices that we're, we're listening to over the 28 hours uh, me listening to them as well so that I can move forward as director of inclusion in the RIBA to make sure that we can be as inclusive as we possibly can in this profession. So um, both of you, um, I'd really like to hear from you. What have you seen that's really good? 
what have you seen that's really worth, um, you know, the, the, the other uh, practices and members turning to and saying, you know, they do things really, really well. And I think a good example is uh, the way Meridian Water are holding their um, uh, their uh, clients to to account um, uh, and, and other people. Who, who else could you point to, Miriam? Um, I would say the Manchester School of Architecture has uh, an interesting BLM group, Black Lives Matter movement, and they they were set up by uh, a few of the members. One of them is Elise, who was my colleague, and it's quite interesting how that kind of took its own props after the Black Lives Matter movement. They set up an Instagram and they really try to promote um, inclusivity also in education, you know, not only being taught about white architects, but also having different architects um, you know, even in your own brief, uh, when you're given at university, it's a, it's a bit of a shame that sometimes uh, in our own education, there's a bit of bias. You're only taught about these white male architects and what they presume is amazing architecture. When then we get to, we miss out on this lovely vernacular, authentic architecture from other regions. And uh, I think what's interesting is that um, at least these kind of groups are bringing up this to the faculty and to the university as well. And it's nice to see students getting their voices across and uh, and being listened to. And also in, in Bath, actually, their uh, decolonisation um, group have been holding uh, their lecturers to account uh, around, you know, who, who is influencing the curricula there. And we'll hear from uh, the Bath Uni uh, group, uh, decolonisation, uh, decolonising architecture, uh, when we talk about that with Neil Shastral and um, Corinne Fowler, I think on Wednesday. Um, Yemi, what about great practice that you've seen? Oh, okay. So we've already mentioned Meridian <laughs> Meridian Water, and completely agree with um, Miriam. I think the Manchester School, um, their students have been brilliant and also contributed, I should say, to the uh, to um, my chapter on uh, kind of inclusion and diversity within the President's fact finding mission. Also, I would add Queen's University. The students there, the architecture. Um, students there again have just taken it upon themselves to develop something not you know ask for permission just get up and do and really inviting people externally to come and talk also talk to the students so the students could understand vast varying things and then also for them to say actually we want to take action these are the kind of people we we want to hear from and I think that educational piece is great in terms of practices generally I probably won't mention them um, one by one, but the really fantastic practices that I've seen as um, have been those um, firms that have said, you know, they're not just going to go out and start coming up with solutions, but they're going to listen. So they've had a process of really just listening to um, to what um, their um, kind of employees are saying before saying right okay th this is what we're going to do I think listening is so important and genuine listening right so that you could so that you can plan ways forward the other thing I just wanted to get in there is that um uh Marsha you might want to look at the local government awards um because there was um and uh, Meridian Water very proud to say um won the diversity inclusion award there um, I, I can't claim anything from that as I just started two weeks ago, but that's all the Rudian team 
um, doing some fantastic work there, but there might be some um, cool tips there for whatever's coming next for the RIVA. Yeah, and I just on that listening piece, just want to uh, remind people that uh, the Reba Communities was something that was launched a, a little bit earlier this year. This is six groups of lived experience where um, uh, it started for staff and it will roll out for members next year. These groups are about listening. They're about safe psychological spaces. I'll put it the other way around. Psychologically safe spaces for people of lived experience to be able to share, uh, but funnel effectually uh, their experiences and they're not there to do the work they're there to alert me and and those in leadership in the architectural profession this is what the issue is this is what we need addressing right now um etc and so uh really important so that we can take that knowledge and take it on so uh, we can make effective use of that listening uh, and action uh, that listening has to follow with action doesn't it mariam of course and hopefully, you know, we see some more people who are, I mean, I think young people really should start making practices be accountable. We want to work for places that are diverse. So, you know, if you want to have, you know, a bunch of really interesting young people, you want to continue your work, you know, try and do it that way as well. That's what that's what the future wants. Yemi Elidrin and Mariam Alhirim. I'll get that. I will get that right at some point, Mariam, I promise. Uh, Reba members, if you would like to sign up and commit to the Inclusion Charter, you can do so by going to architecture.com and searching Inclusion Charter. There is an online form for you to fill in, and I really will be working super hard to support you in your journey. You're listening to Reba Radio, real inclusive, brilliant action.